Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. This podcast details true crime cases. It contains adult themes and may contain descriptions of violence. This episode contains explicit language. It is not intended for children. Listener discretion is advised. Thank you for joining me for today's episode of Once Upon a Crime. In this month's series, School's Out Forever, I'm detailing crimes on school campuses. In this last episode, we'll travel to a college campus where, in 2017, a college student underwent a grueling hazing ritual as a college fraternity pledge. Tim Piazza's last few hours were detailed on security camera surveillance videos, so what happened to him was never in question. The question brought before a judge was, who should be held responsible for his senseless death? This is the last episode in the series, School's Out Forever, The Hazing Death of Tim Piazza. Are you a super fan of Once Upon a Crime? Show your love, support the show, and get tons of perks by joining our Patreon. Patreon members get ad-free episodes and can hear them before anyone else. You also get bonus episodes and a special gift sent in the mail when you become a member. Memberships start at just $2 per month. You can save even more when you choose the option to pay annually. Go to patreon.com slash onceuponacrime to get more info and become a member. You can also find the link on our website, truecrimepodcast.com. Thanks so much for listening and supporting the show. Pennsylvania State University is a public state school founded in 1855. It is one of the largest universities in the United States. Each year, over 46,000 students attend Penn State. It is ranked number 60 in the Best Colleges and National Universities listing. The main Penn State campus is in University Park, Pennsylvania, or Happy Valley. It is a very active campus with over 1,000 clubs and organizations for students to choose from. There are more than 70 fraternities and sororities connected to the university. The second oldest of these traditionally same-sex organizations at Penn State is Beta Theta Pi, dating back to 1888. For those not in the know, frats and sororities take their names from the Greek alphabet. A student must apply for membership and be initiated into the organization. They are often required to live in members-only houses, on or off campus. Being a member of a frat or sorority is known as Greek life, and fellow members are called brothers or sisters. The Penn State chapter of the Beta Theta Pi fraternity is Alpha Upsilon. Beta, as it is more commonly known, had a reputation for attracting the best and brightest students as its members. However, its history was marred by bad acts committed by its members, and it also had a reputation as a hard-partying fraternity. Beta was one of the few fraternity houses on the campus, but technically the residence was considered private property, owned and externally managed by the organization. The most frequent violations by the fraternity concerned alcohol. Large quantities of booze arrived at the frat house each time a beta social event was announced, and the alcohol flowed freely. 
many of Beta's members were under age 21, the legal drinking age. In extreme states of inebriation, dozens of members or brothers would begin to vandalize and trash the house. Some likened Beta to a real-life animal house. This referred to the 1978 American movie of the same name that starred John Belushi and Tim Matheson. It told the story of a hard-partying and troublemaking fraternity at a fictional college campus. Scenes in the popular and raunchy comedy depict frat members drinking excessively, throwing huge out-of-control parties, and wholesale destruction of the frat house by its members and guests. But the hazing incidents were even more problematic than the alcohol-fueled parties at Beta. The term hazing describes a ritual in which a pledge or prospective member of a fraternity or sorority is required to participate as an initiation into the group to become a recognized member. Hazing has become problematic and is often banned by colleges and universities because it may require pledges to engage in activities involving humiliation, degradation, physical, psychological, or even sexual abuse. An organization, the Fraternal Information and Programming Group, defines hazing activities further. Quote, hazing activities may include, but are not limited to, the use of alcohol, paddling in any form, creation of excessive fatigue, physical and psychological shocks, quests, treasure hunts, scavenger hunts, engaging in public stunts, and morally degrading or humiliating games and activities, end quote. Hazing has led to documented incidents of injuries, leading to hospitalization and even death of pledges across the United States for many years. Since 2010 alone, over 30 students have died as a result of hazing. Hazing has been outlawed in 44 states, but remains a problem in Greek life. The Beta Theta Pi fraternity had multiple violations for alcohol and hazing during its history at Penn State. It became such an issue that the Penn State Beta chapter was disbanded in 2008. It was later reopened as a dry frat, or one that promised to prohibit the use of alcohol in its residence. By outward appearances, Beta cleaned up its act and even earned two Chapter of Excellence awards from the organization. But alcohol and hazing continue to be part of initiating its pledges. As early as the fall of 2015, a hazing activity known as Running the Gauntlet was reported as part of Beta's initiation. Running the Gauntlet was an alcohol-fueled initiation rite that required pledges to run an obstacle course where, at each station, they were made to consume a variety of alcoholic beverages in large quantities. They would guzzle from a large bottle of vodka, shotgun a beer, shotgunning being the act of punching a hole in the side of a can, placing the mouth over the hole, and then pulling the beer tab causing it to shoot quickly out of the can, and also guzzle from a bag of wine. Pledges completed multiple rounds through this obstacle course until they were too drunk to continue. Other initiation activities at Beta included having pledges consume Beta Brew, a mixture of old food and alcohol. They were made to drink this vile recipe until they vomited. Pledges were sometimes struck repeatedly with a wooden paddle hard enough to break the skin. Even though prospective members must have been aware that becoming a member of Beta involved hazing, they continued to pledge the fraternity because of its long history, reputation for attracting top students, and the lifelong friendships formed among frat brothers. This was the attraction for one bright and accomplished Penn State sophomore, Tim Piazza, who pledged Beta Theta Pi in the winter of 2017. 
Timothy John Piazza was a 19-year-old student at Penn State in 2017. Tim stood at 6 foot 2 inches tall and weighed 200 pounds. He was easily recognizable for his height and close-cropped red hair. He played football at Hunterdon Central Regional High School in his home state of New Jersey before enrolling in Penn State as a mechanical engineering major in the fall of 2015. Tim was a big guy with an even bigger heart. He was very involved in several charitable organizations as a teen. In high school, he participated in a group called Hunterdon Outreach, a sports program for children with special needs. His passion had always led him to participate in service opportunities to help children thrive. At Penn State, Tim was immediately drawn to an organization called Ayuda. Ayuda, one of the largest special interest organizations at Penn State, raised funds to provide support and services for children with cancer. Their most prominent fundraising activity each year was a weekend-long dance marathon. Tim Piazza had already decided that after graduation, he wanted to have a career designing prosthetic limbs for children and soldiers using 3D printers. Tim and his high school sweetheart, Caitlin Tempolsky, had already discussed marriage after graduation. Caitlin was attending Susquehanna University, located about 60 miles from Penn State. Tim was a serious student committed to his studies and very involved in service to the community. He had a generous and easygoing nature. He'd formed close friendships with other students during his first year of college. In his sophomore year, he considered joining a fraternity that he believed would provide lifelong friendships and opportunities to serve the community alongside his fraternity brothers. In January 2017, he rushed several fraternities. Rushing is the period where students decide which fraternities and sororities they'd like to state an interest in joining. It's a two-way evaluation period, and frats and sororities also determine who they will invite to join. In the end, Tim received two bids, or offers, for fraternity membership. One of the bids came from Beta Theta Pi, who told him he was one of their top 10 picks. Tim was most interested in joining Beta, because several members were engineering and biology majors like himself. So he was excited when on Thursday, February 2nd, he received an invitation to attend Bid Acceptance Night at the Beta House. The invitation consisted of a text from frat member Cordell Davis. It read, Hello, Pledge. Get ready to get fucked up and get ready for a long semester. Tim and 13 other pledges were told to arrive at the Beta House, located at 220 North Burroughs Road, at 9.07 p.m., wearing a shirt, tie, and jacket. Tim's roommate, Alex Park, saw him leave for the Beta House in the late afternoon. Park would later say that he knew Tim well, and he was not a heavy drinker or a partier. Quote, It wasn't like he was the wild kid at the party, Alex said. He drank a little below average, to be honest. Tim Piazza's timeline from the moment he entered the Beta House until the following morning was documented on video by more than a dozen motion-activated surveillance cameras installed in the residence. Within 15 minutes of arriving, Tim entered the gauntlet with 13 other men to begin the first round of heavy drinking. Tim, at 19, was under the legal drinking age of 21, as were 12 other pledges who participated that night. The young men rounded stations repeatedly, chugging vodka, guzzling beer, and gulping down wine as fast as possible beginning at 9.21 p.m. At 10.40 p.m., Tim is seen visibly drunk and having trouble walking on his own. He is helped to a couch in the Great Hall, or the resident's main public room. 
The frat brother who is assisting him is named Lars Kenyon. At some point, Tim must have gotten up from the sofa because he appears on camera again just minutes later. Another brother walks him to a different room. Tim is staggering and walking with incredible difficulty. The first significant incident leading to Tim Piazza's demise occurs off-camera, but is later documented by eyewitness testimony. Eyewitnesses included not just Beta members and its pledges, but other guests invited to the party, including sorority members and other Penn State students. At 10.45, Tim falls down the stairs into the basement. Just a minute later, another brother is seen on camera gesturing towards the staircase, where Tim had just fallen. He is next seen being brought back upstairs by four men. He is carried once again into the Great Hall and placed on a sofa. By this time, he is unconscious, his body limp. As the camera continues recording, he doesn't move and is now shirtless. A large bruise is visible on his stomach. The following events that unfolded over the next several hours are disturbing to hear and even more disturbing to witness on video. As Tim Piazza lies unconscious on the sofa in the Beta House, his prospective frat brothers treat him callously and abuse his body. One lifts his limp arm and laughs as it drops back onto his chest as if belonging to a dead man. Another brother comes along and slaps Tim in the face three times. Another pours liquid on his face, attempting to wake him up. Other partygoers conduct themselves as you'd expect, carousing and roughhousing. One is recorded as he tackles a third man onto Tim's prone body. Finally, someone comes along and strikes the bruise on Tim's stomach with an open hand. Through all of this, there is still no visible response from Tim. He finally begins to stir and rolls off the couch, but remains unconscious. A few brothers finally come along and attempt to respond to Tim's condition by backpacking him. Backpacking was a term used by the brothers and describes the act of strapping a heavy book bag onto a person who has passed out from drinking. Its goal is to keep intoxicated people from rolling onto their backs and choking if they vomit. Tim is next seen conscious and kneeling on the floor, rocking back and forth and clutching his abdomen as if in pain. At other times, he has passed out again and can be seen alternately twitching and vomiting. 30 minutes have passed since he fell down the stairs. At 11.15 p.m., frat brother Cordell Davis arrives at the party. After seeing the condition Tim is in, he attempts to get help. He says 911 should be called. As he insists on calling for medical assistance for the unconscious man, another brother shoves Davis across the room. A group chat between several party attendees at the Beta House would document that anyone who tried to urge the brothers to call for help was called crazy and accused of overreacting. More hours pass, and the video picks up Tim's movements beginning again at 3.30 a.m. It's been over four hours since he ran the gauntlet, and he still cannot stand without falling. In his first attempt to stand up, he falls repeatedly. When he finally succeeds at taking a few steps towards the front door, he plunges headfirst into an iron railing and falls on a stone floor. At about 5 a.m., he tries again, but falls headfirst into the door and is knocked unconscious. He continues to lie there for some time. At 6 a.m., Beta House's live-in advisor, Tim Bream, 58, steps over Tim's prone body. Bream is employed as Penn State's head athletic trainer. At 6.44 a.m., fellow pledge Kobe Quanu, 
enters the front hall and sits on a sofa across from Tim. He had somehow now made it back onto the other sofa. Quenu pulls out his cell phone and records a Snapchat video of Tim as he falls off the sofa, groans in pain, gets to his knees, and clutches his head. Quenu does not seem concerned, nor does he call for help. After charging his phone for a few minutes, he leaves the house at 7.15 a.m. At 7.18, Tim stands again and staggers towards the door leading to the basement steps. He disappears at this point from the camera's view. It was not until about 10 a.m. that some of the brothers find Tim's shoes near the sofa in the Great Hall and begin looking for him. They discover him unconscious in the basement. Daniel Erickson and another brother are recorded on video carrying him upstairs. Tim is shirtless and breathing heavily. He has blood on his face and his skin is cold to the touch. His eyes are only half open. For the next 40 minutes, several men debate and argue about what they should do. No one, apparently, wanted to blow the whistle on the prohibited use of alcohol during the party, the university-forbidden hazing that took place, or the fact that alcohol was provided to underage students. Beta had already been banned from Penn State once, and it's likely no one wanted to be the one who caused the fraternity to be sanctioned again, or perhaps face consequences themselves. They now tried to shake Tim awake. He's seen propped up on the couch and dressed in a shirt. Cell phone records from some of these men would record searches for, quote, falling asleep after head injury and cold extremities in drunk person. At 10.45 a.m., 911 is finally called. Frat brother Ryan McCann tells the operator that a friend has been found unresponsive and admits alcohol was involved. He does not inform the dispatcher about Tim's fall down the stairs, that it happened hours earlier, or mention any other injuries. While they wait for the ambulance, Beta's president, Brendan Young, arrives. After being informed of Tim's condition and that 911 has been called, he is seen on video collapsing onto a couch and holding his head. He will later text his girlfriend that Tim looked, quote, fucking dead, and laments that he will be blamed, will have to hire an attorney, go to court, and, quote, maybe put in jail, end quote. Before the ambulance arrives, several brothers run around the house, cleaning up evidence of the party. Pledge master Daniel Casey tells the fret members to have pledges clean the basement and, quote, get rid of any evidence of alcohol. He also tells Lars Kenyon to delete the group chat from the night before in an attempt to erase the evidence of the previous evening's communications from Tim's phone. The ambulance arrived just before 11 a.m. and transported Tim to Mount Nittany Medical Center. However, once he was assessed by emergency room doctors, it was determined his condition was so grave that he was transported by helicopter to Penn State Milton S. Hershey Medical Center. Did you know that Once Upon a Crime can also be found on YouTube? You can subscribe to our YouTube channel to listen to our episodes and watch accompanying videos. If you have friends who love true crime but aren't podcast listeners, share our YouTube channel with them. Just look for Once Upon a Crime podcast on YouTube. Make sure to put in Once Upon a Crime podcast. Hit the subscribe button and like and comment on the videos. And of course, share them with others. It would really help us out. Thank you so much.
In the morning, Tim Piazza's roommates noticed he hadn't returned home. At first, they thought he must have stayed overnight at the Beta House. But when he still didn't arrive by 11 a.m., they were concerned enough to call another fraternity member to inquire. They were informed that Tim had been taken to the hospital. Tim's parents, Jim and Evelyn Piazza, received a call telling them that their son was at the hospital and was being rushed into surgery. They left New Jersey immediately to be by his side. His girlfriend, Caitlin, was also informed, and she drove as quickly as possible to Hershey Medical Center. Tim was discovered to have a ruptured spleen and a fractured skull, and was suffering from a class 4 hemorrhagic shock, which translates to a loss of over 40% of the body's total blood volume. Dr. Harry Camerell, a forensic pathologist for Center County, would state in his report that the bruise on Tim's abdomen was most likely a result of a laceration of the spleen. The trauma to his head had swollen his brain so severely that almost half of his skull had to be removed to relieve the pressure. Surgery was performed on Tim, but his injuries were determined to be unrecoverable. Tim Piazza was pronounced dead at 1.30 a.m. on February 4, 2017. His blood alcohol content was estimated to have been between 0.27 and 0.35 at midnight. A person is considered legally drunk at 0.08, putting him three to four times over that limit. The coroner would rule Tim Piazza's death as accidental. Over 2,500 people attended Tim's funeral service. No one representing Penn State was in attendance. Jim and Evelyn Piazza were heartbroken at the loss of their son and furious at Penn State and the fraternity for his senseless death. They relentlessly hounded the university to investigate exactly what had happened and who should be held responsible. Before all would be said and done, the investigation into the hazing death of Tim Piazza would result in the largest criminal indictment against a fraternity and its members in American history. Within two weeks of Tim's death, the university revoked recognition of Beta Theta Pi for no less than five years. By March of 2017, Penn State announced it was permanently banning Beta from its Greek system. Penn held disciplinary hearings for 35 students, and though no one was initially expelled, some students took disciplinary withdrawals and left Penn State. Resident advisor Tim Bream the Penn State employee who'd stepped over Tim's unconscious body and who'd, at a minimum, looked the other way as pallets of alcohol were delivered to a supposedly dry frat house, kept his job. He was never charged in connection with Tim's death. A grand jury hearing was held to investigate hazing at Penn State, how it may have contributed to Tim Piazza's death, and who was involved. Information was gathered from over 13 hours of video surveillance footage. On May 5, 2017, the grand jury presented an 81-page report recommending hundreds of charges, ranging from aggravated assault to tampering with evidence. The same day, the Center County District Attorney's Office charged 18 members of Beta Theta Pi in connection with Tim's death. Eight members were charged with involuntary manslaughter. Others were charged with hazing, tampering with evidence, and other lesser charges. From June through August of 2017, preliminary hearings were held for several of the charged individuals. District Attorney Stacy Parks Miller believed that anyone involved who played a part in the events that occurred at Beta House should be collectively held responsible for Tim's death. 
18 people were initially indicted, and all 18 cases were grouped together at trial. For this reason, the preliminary hearing was uncommonly lengthy. Typically lasting less than a day in court, this one lasted eight days over four months. Over a dozen defense lawyers were in attendance, representing the various defendants. Most of the defense attorneys argued the same point. Tim Piazza's death was a tragedy, but no one person had caused it, they said, so no individual could be held responsible. They also pointed out that over 50 pledges had undergone similar hazings over the last three semesters with no serious harm being reported. In the defense's view, reckless endangerment could not be established as there was no precedent for the gauntlet as being reckless or causing, quote, death or great bodily injury. They argued that the frat brothers had not acted sooner simply because they thought Tim was just really drunk, not seriously injured. They said that none of the factors the prosecution presented could be considered criminal. The most substantial evidence presented in court was three hours of the recorded 13 hours of video that was shown to the jury. Tim's parents stepped out of the room as it was played. They'd been advised never to watch it for the mental and emotional well-being. While preliminary hearings were ongoing, investigators announced that basement footage from February 2nd was discovered to have been deleted. As a result, additional charges were filed by the DA. Braxton Becker, one frat brother who was determined to have been involved, was charged with tampering with the evidence and impeding an investigation. In September, more than 1,000 counts against beta members were filed. Eight were charged with involuntary manslaughter and aggravated assault. Daniel Casey, age 19, was charged with 201 counts, including involuntary manslaughter, hazing, and furnishing alcohol to minors. Brendan Young, 21, was charged with 200 counts, including involuntary manslaughter, hazing, and furnishing alcohol to minors. Jonah Newman, 19, was charged with 79 counts, including involuntary manslaughter, hazing, and furnishing alcohol to minors. Lars Kenyon, 19, was charged with 52 counts of reckless endangerment. Michelangelo Schiavone, 21, was charged with 52 counts of reckless endangerment. Nick Kubera, 19, was charged with over 50 counts, the most serious being involuntary manslaughter. Ryan Foster, 21, was charged with one count of tampering with evidence. Edward Gilmartin, 20, was also charged with one count of tampering with evidence. The Beta Theta Pi fraternity was charged with involuntary manslaughter, hazing, and furnishing alcohol to minors. Representatives for Penn State defended the school against the charges by explaining that fraternities were self-governing organizations privately owned and managed by external parties and sanctioned by national organizations. As such, they were not under the jurisdiction of the university police. On September 1st, the Center County Magisterial District Judge dropped the most severe charges, including involuntary manslaughter, aggravated assault, and simple assault, in several of the cases. Two months later, the FBI presented information to the court that they had recovered video showing Tim Piazza had been given at least 18 drinks in 82 minutes. Fraternity members had deleted this video. The Attorney General's office refiled charges in March and September of 2018, but once again, the judge dismissed the most serious charges. Some amount of justice was finally served when in 2018 and 2019, 
17 fraternity brothers pleaded guilty to some of the charges. In April 2019, Luke Visser, Joe Sala, Michael Bonatucci, and Joshua Kerchewski were sentenced. Visser received two to six months in jail and a two-year probation. Kerchewski received three to nine months in jail and a one-year probation. Bonatucci received 30 to 60 days and a one-year probation. Sala received three to six months house arrest and two years probation. The jail sentences were all later amended to house arrest by Judge Brian Marshall. Nick Kubera, who'd initially faced over 50 counts, including involuntary manslaughter, was sentenced to 60 days in jail. On May 30, 2019, Braxton Becker, charged with erasing the videotapes, was found guilty of one count of hindering an investigation and received a sentence of a $5,000 fine, two years probation, and 100 hours of community service. Misdemeanor cases are still pending for Chapter President Brendan Young and Pledge Master Daniel Casey. Jim and Evelyn Piazza brought a civil lawsuit against each frat brother who played a role in their son's death. They were each charged with negligence and conspiracy. The Piazzas were represented by Philadelphia-based attorney Thomas R. Klein, and settlements were reached with 25 defendants in 2021. They also settled with Penn State, receiving monetary damages and promises of safety reforms. They continued to push for local, state, and national changes to prohibit hazing on college campuses and provide consequences for those who engage in it. They have also lobbied to change legislation and raise awareness about the dangers of hazing. On a national level, the Piazzas have worked with lawmakers to lobby for the End All Hazing Act and the Report and Education About Campus Hazing Act, or REACH. The REACH Act was introduced in the U.S. Senate in 2017 and reintroduced in 2021. REACH seeks to end hazing on college campuses and provide education regarding its effects. It requires institutions of higher education to disclose hazing incidents in annual security reports. The Piazzas have also traveled the country, speaking to college students about the dangers of hazing. Penn State has made reforms. Jim Piazza says, Before the incident, the university had a task force that knew a lot of bad things were going on, but did nothing about it. They pressed Penn State President Eric Barron to make changes. In September 2015, Barron appointed a 25-member task force to study Greek life at the school and recommend improvements. Seven fraternities were suspended or lost university recognition by the end of 2017. New policy changes at the university include the following. Students must complete 14 credit hours before they are eligible to participate in Greek life. There is a strongly enforced prohibition against underage possession or consumption of alcohol in chapter houses and activities. The university has also placed a cap on the number of participants allowed to attend chapter house events. Greek life organizations are limited to 10 social events per semester that include alcohol, and there is a zero-tolerance policy against hazing in Greek organizations. As it stands, all hazing is currently a violation of Pennsylvania law. In January 2019, Penn State announced plans for the Timothy J. Piazza Center for Fraternity and Sorority Research and Reform. 
Its mission is to study Greek life culture nationwide and sponsor research. Penn State also established the Office of Fraternity and Sorority Compliance. Greek chapters at Penn State receive scorecards to rate their compliance with university rules and guidelines and their positive contribution to student life. Finally, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania passed the Responsible Action Protocol and Pennsylvania's Medical Amnesty Law. This legislation protects students from prosecution for consumption or possession of alcohol when they seek help for a peer who requires medical assistance due to overconsumption. In 2017, Jim and Evelyn Piazza founded the Timothy J. Piazza Memorial Foundation. It supports those in need of prosthetic devices and offers academic scholarships. In 2021, Penn State won the right to buy 220 North Burroughs Road, formerly known as the Beta Fraternity House. The 1928 deed, drafted when the house was first built and sold, stipulates that it must be sold if it no longer serves as a fraternity house. That will do it for this episode of Once Upon a Crime, and we'll wrap up the series Schools Out Forever. Tell us what you thought of this series or any of our episodes by connecting with us on our Facebook page. Look for the Once Upon a Crime Facebook fan page. There's a link in the show notes. I'll be back on October 9th with a whole new series, and I'll be releasing four episodes in October, including our annual Halloween episode. To get a sneak peek at the next series topics, have access to ad-free and early release episodes and more, join us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash onceuponacrime to find out more and become a member. Once Upon a Crime is written and produced by me, Esther Sanchez Ledlow. My production assistant is Lorena Garcia. Until next time, be good to one another. <laughs>